Now the situation is that he's talking to these people about from 1 Corinthians 1, 5 or chapter 5 where a man had committed adultery and Paul had dealt with them and it made them very grievous and very sorry and it hurt them because they had to deal with him. So that's the situation now. So here he is writing the second letter and he said, But I determined this with myself that I would not come to you again in heaviness. I'll not come with my heart heavy anymore having to deal with open profane sin. For if I make you sorry make you feel sorry and sorry for what's happened who is he that's going to make me glad if you're sorry and I made you sorry who's going to make me glad then that then that the same that which is made sorry by me and I wrote this same unto you lest when I came I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice I don't want to come there with the great sorrow in my heart about over people whom I ought to rejoice in. And having confidence in you all that my joy, that the joy that I express is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears. Not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly to you. I didn't cry these tears and write unto you to grieve you, but to let you know how much I loved you. But if any have caused me grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many. So that contrarywise, you ought rather now, since you've dealt with him, so contrary to what you ought to do now is forgive him, comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. And this is the purpose. To this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you whether you be obedient in all these things. To whom you forgive any, I forgive also. For for if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person or in the sight of Christ. Lest Satan should get advantage of us. If we don't love, we don't forgive, we don't get over these things that people's done, he said Satan will have an advantage over us. We're not ignorant of his devices. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Now, this is going to be my text. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are savor or a fragrance of death unto death. And to the other the savor or fragrance of life unto life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. But as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ Corinthians 
And uh, there it says, Now thanks be unto God, in verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor, the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. When I read this whole chapter, you've seen how troubled Paul was. He was grieved. He was sorrow. He was had no rest in his spirit. He was in heaviness. He had grief. And then he comes down here and says, he said it had in verse 13, I found no rest in my spirit. Then he comes back and says in verse 14. Now thanks be unto God which always caused us to triumph in Christ. So he had all these problems. All these worries. All this sorrow. All this grief. All this heaviness. Dealing with the things that was going on in Corinth. And what was going on in the churches. So he's saying this, that no matter what goes on, what happens in this world, what happens in our lives, what happens, what we're going through, makes no difference what it is. That's why he turned around and says, well, everything else is going on. He said, I do know this. Thanks be unto God. I may be down, but when I start realizing what I have in Christ... Knowing what I have in Christ. He turned around and said, Thanks be unto God which always causes me to triumph. Where at? In Christ. That's the only place where there's any triumph. There's the only place where there's any victory. There's only a place where there's any comfort and assurance in this world. And that's clear language here. He had all these troubles. And me and you, we've had many troubles and we're going to have many more some of you may be having some right now we've had failures in our lives seems like we have such little success seems like we've failed with our kids failure in relationships that we have Failures in our hearts. Oh, how our hearts fails us sometimes. And in our lives. I was talking to Shirley this morning. You know, says that men's hearts would fail them for the fear of the things that was coming on the earth. And what he didn't mean is that men was going to have heart attacks. What he means is that men's hearts would just not have any heart no more to deal with what they have to deal with. They see so much stuff going on in the world that their hearts would just finally just say, I can't take it anymore. I'm just not going to deal with it anymore. I don't have the heart to deal with it anymore. And you know what it's like to lose heart over things. And that's what he's talking about. This world gets in such a sad state and they see the they get afraid of everything that's going on and their hearts start failing. Said, I can't my heart, I can't get my heart in it anymore. And so how can we, when we have things like this, how can we talk of always triumphing? 
Because that's what God says. That's what Christ said here. Look, keep this and look over here in Romans chapter 8. Go back over to your left and look in Romans chapter 8. You know, it's, uh, I think with what's going on, and I haven't had the news on now in several days, I'm not going to watch it anymore. I'm not going to pay attention to it anymore. You know, I, I check on the weather, but I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to pay attention to the news anymore. There's nothing out there that 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 can't get. That all it can do is hurt you, depress you, stress you out. And I got enough stress in my life without putting myself in it. Does that make sense to you? All we can do is say, "God, have mercy on us. Lord, save us." That's all we can do. We ain't going to change a thing. I, you know Herman, bless his heart, he used to stand in front of the television and talk to it. <laughs> and I bet some of you've done it. <laughs> Call people on it idiots and everything else. Now is it worth it? No. That's why we come to hear the gospel. To get away from that a little while. But look what he said here in Romans 8.28. We know this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to His purpose. Now that's always causing us to triumph. All things working together for our good. Now go down here in verse 35. Now here's some things. Look what all happens here now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation do it? Everybody's had tribulation. Did it separate you from Christ? Being distressed. Oh, we get such distress. Getting persecuted. Or famine. Or nakedness. Or apparel. Or even a sword. It says in verse 37, no, 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 no. In all these things, in all these troubles, in all these things that goes on in our life, we're more than conquerors. Conquerors through Him. How? Through Him that loved us. That's the only way we're conquerors, through Him. And we conquer because He loved us. And He said, I'm persuaded of this. I have this persuasion. That death, life, angels... Principalities, that's all the things that's going on in this world. Principalities and powers of the air, demons, angels, devils, politicians, principalities, governments, magistrates, judges, nothing can powers or things present or thousands of things to come. Heights, depths, nor any other creature, and that's a lot of that covers a lot of ground, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. Everything he talked about here is what we have in Christ and how we're overcomers by Christ. And oh my, thanks be unto God, more than conquerors, thanks be unto God, which always caused us to triumph in Christ. Now back over here in our text. This is the first point that I want to deal with this morning. Causes us to triumph. Causes us. Causes us. There has to be a cause and effect. The cause is Christ. 
causes us to triumph. And this is where the triumph, where the victory is. It's in Christ Himself. Never in ourselves. We never triumph in ourselves. Never in ourselves. All, all is in Christ. When we say Christ is all and in all, that's not the religious cliche to us. That's not a religious jargon. That's truth for us. That's reality for us. That's what our faith, that's what our heart, that's what our we believe with all our souls that Christ is all. And see, we become triumph and cause to triumph in Him because of our union with Him. You know, we were, you know, when we ever have a marriage, we talk about what we have in Christ. He said, I show you a mystery. He said, we're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, and two shall be made one. God takes Christ and makes us one with Christ. He's Christ. He's the head. We're the body and we're one with Christ. He said, I show you a mystery. We're one with Christ. And we have such a union with Christ. And I mean, we're joined to him. We belong to him. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. So that's what kind of union we had. And when he died, we died. I'm crucified, but now, oh listen, but I'm yet living. Well, how are you living? I'm living by the faith of who? The Son of God. Why? Because He loves me. How do we know He loved us? Because He gave Himself for us. Huh? Oh my. That's why it isn't in everything we have is a gift. Look back over here in 1 Corinthians 15. Just turn back a page or two. Oh, listen. Satan is accuser of the brethren. And I tell you what, he'll accuse us of all kinds of things. But look what he talks about here in 1 Corinthians 15, 56. Talking about, you know, all triumph we have in Christ, the victory we have in Christ. He said here in verse 56, The sting of death is sin. Well, then sin has been put away by Christ. We don't have any sin. God said, I put all all their sins behind my back. Cast them in the depth of the sea. Blot them out as with a thick cloud. And he said he put them all away by the sacrifice of himself. And God said, I will not remember their sins and iniquities against them no more. So that's why death does not have a sting for us. And the strength of sin is the law. We're under grace. We're not under law. But this is what he said here again. But thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what are we going to do since that's that way? My beloved brethren, be you steadfast. Be unmovable. Abounding, abounding in the work of Christ. Oh my, so you see, beloved, our triumph, victory, everything is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you something else, how we are, God causes us to triumph in Christ. Now I said, now you know, He causes us to do this. We're by nature, most of us, you know, we'll talk ourselves down. You know, we talk ourselves right out of a good time if, we, if we're not careful. But we triumph. We have the victory by God's wisdom. Look what he said here in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 2 again. 
Now thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph, causes us to. I had no triumph except that, well, listen, except what God calls me in, tri- tri- in Christ. And listen what he says. And it makes manifest, brings out, clearly seen, the savor, the fragrance of his knowledge. The knowledge of Christ by us in every place we go to preach. And I tell you, we triumph by God's wisdom because he makes manifest the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ by us. Now I'll tell you something, you can't make known what you don't know. You can't make Christ known if you don't know him. You can't triumph in Christ if you don't know Christ. God won't cause you to triumph in Christ if you don't know Christ. And I tell you what, in John John 5, chapter 5, 1 John 5, he says, Who is he that overcometh? Who is he that overcometh the world? Who is he that overcometh? He that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You remember what our Lord Jesus Christ asked his disciples. He said, one day he was with them. He said, who do men say that I the Son of Man am? They said, you're John the Baptist, you're Jeremiah, you're one of the other prophets. He said, but now I want to know who you say that I am. Simon Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, you're blessed, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood didn't make you know that. But my Father, which is in heaven, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and if He's the Son of God, that means He's God the Son. That He is God and man. And to believe that Jesus Christ was God Almighty, come down to earth as the Son of God, you know the only way in the world you can believe that is God to make you believe that. And He makes us manifest that sweet fragrance of Christ when we talk about Christ and make manifest Christ. Listen to that. Right now, do you smell the fragrance of Christ? When I said triumph in Christ, causes us in Christ, have the victory in Christ, don't you smell that? You know, when, when Mary took that alabaster box of ointment, she opened that box... And she began to put it on Christ and put it on His head and put it on His shoulders and put it all over Christ. There was a whole bunch of people in that room when she did that. She put all the fragrance on Christ. But everybody in that room, oh, that smells good. Oh, that's a wonderful, wonderful smell. Oh, that's the most blessed smell. Woo! And that's the way it is for Christ. <laughs> <You know? laughs> It's like that, oh, listen, it's like that Ethiopian eunuch. Where after he had had Christ preached to him, they come to some water and he says, What does hinder me? There's lots of things that hinder people. Lots of things that hinder people. We're talking about making manifest this fragrance of Christ. A lot of things hinder people. First thing that hinders people is they don't believe. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They don't believe that they're sinners. They don't believe that they're without hope and without God in this world. Huh? You're waiting, some people are waiting till I experience something. I believe I know I'm saved when I, this happens and that happens, some other thing happens. You wait for an experience and you'll wait till Christ comes back again. Bruce Crabtree, we, you know, they're up at Almont, we're 
some of these folks used to go. There's a preacher up there, a priest experienced and experienced and experienced, and L.R. Shelton priest experienced and experienced and experienced. And there's one fellow brought, Bruce was talking to him. He said, I've been seeking the Lord for 20 something years. He said, You've been seeking him way too long. If you ain't found him in 20 something years, you ain't never going to find him. In fact, if you'll quit looking and trusting, that's the people's problems. They keep looking for an experience and to feel something and to have some kind of feeling down deep in their heart or soul, and you keep waiting for that, and you'll miss Christ. People talk about being happy, 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 happy. Listen, there's lots of days that I'm not happy. There's lots of days that I don't even have joy. Does that mean that I don't know Christ? No, that means that I look to Him and trust Him and believe Him. What else am I going to do in this world? I'm being honest now with us. That's why He says He always causes us to triumph in trust. He's got to cause us to do it. And I tell you what, and I've said this so time and time again, if you're making happiness... Your goal in this world, you're going to be nothing but miserable. If, if you know Christ and look to Christ and you rejoice in Christ, there'll be days that you'll have joy, there'll be days that you'll have peace, and there'll be days that you'll be happy. But you know what makes us the happiest thing in this world? is, is, is to know one another and be with one another and talk to one another about the things of God and the things of Christ. That does something for us that nothing else in this world does. Ain't you glad we got this place? You know, it's like standing out in a, in a great big storm. This great big storm's going on. The clouds are all over us. Big old storm clouds. It looks like it's fixing to have the awfulest storm. And oh my, it's fixing to come down. And what do we do? We get to come in here. Get out of the storm. <laughs> Get out from under them old clouds. Get out from under them old heavy dark clouds. Get out of them. Oh, listen. And when we go back out, the clouds will be gone. <laughs> For a while anyway. <laughs> oh, I tell you what. What does hinder me? Only one thing hinders you. That you must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. God the Son. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. It says he is the image of the invisible God. And so I tell you what. And this wisdom of this world. We're talking about God's wisdom. Causing us to triumph in Christ. You know. The wisdom of this world comes to that. Zero. All you've got to do is look around you and see what's going on in this world. And you know, you see, when you see the world's wisdom and the decisions it makes and, and the way it's going and the things that are said and the way people act, you've got to say the wisdom of this world is nothing. Who's ever been saved by the wisdom of this world? Who's ever been saved by philosophy? Who's ever been saved by a politician? 
who's ever been saved by economics, who's ever been saved by the stock market, who's ever been saved by anything in this world, even been blessed by it and encouraged by it. So this world, I tell you, listen, this world, thank God, that's why they said they're strangers and pilgrims and they're just looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And I'm looking for that place where God laid the foundation and I know where He laid the foundation. He laid the foundation in Christ and He's that rock upon which we build and beloved, stand on Christ. He's our foundation. God laid Him and there ain't no other to be laid. On him. Oh, listen, you can jump up and down on him. And he ain't going to fail you. You can get out in the deep waters and he ain't going to fail you. This world will fail us and has it's already failed us. This flesh has failed us. But Christ ain't never failed us. You can stand on that rock if the water gets up to your neck. You stay right there on that rock. Because that rock will never move. Huh? Oh, it never move. Oh, my. But we, God calls us to triumph in the middle of this miserable, miserable world in Christ. Huh? Oh, my. And we triumph because God made us a sweet savor. Look what He says there. Made us a sweet savor. <laughs> you know what a savor is? It's a smell. It's a fragrance. Wonderful fragrance. And oh, he talked about the fragrance of Christ. And here's what I tell you. And, and, and last time I talked to Larry Matthews, we talked about this right here. That's what we talked about. He talked about when God sees me, He sees His Son. He said to know that I have the righteousness of God. That when God looks at me, He don't see me, He sees His Son. And that's exactly when God sees us. You know what He sees? He sees His Son. <laughs> when God smells, if God took a smell this morning, you know what He smell? He smell His Son. That sweet savor. That sweet smell of His Son. And you know, it's like when Jacob, his mother said, go and put you some... Some goat skin on your hands, and 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 uh, I'll fix the food. And you take it in there, and, and he got in there, you know. And he, Jacob felt Isaac felt him. Said, "Oh boy, said you feel like Isaac? I mean Esau. You smell like Esau, and the food you brought in is like Esau's." And Isaac said, "Boy, that's my son Esau." But it was Jacob, and Jacob got the blessing. And you know why Jacob got the blessing? Because God loved Jacob. <laughs> he loved Esau. He loved Jacob. And he said, Jacob, you're going to get the blessing. It was told before they was born that the younger, the elder, was going to serve the baby. And I tell you what, and that's exactly what happened. And God, when He smells us, He don't smell our sin. He don't smell that old rotten body that we're carrying around on our backs. He don't smell that old wretched man that we carry around with us. He don't smell that old wretched man that's a burden to us. He smells His Son. Huh? Oh, this... You know what? 
Only one person on the face of God's earth from the day that He made Adam until the last person takes their last breath on this earth. God has only said one person, one man in this world that He looked at and said, That man pleases me. That man satisfies me. That man honors me. That man glorifies me. That man does my will. That man obeys me. That man loves me with all of his heart. That man loves me with all of his soul. That man believes me perfectly. And now when God looks at us and smells us, He says, well, they're doing the same thing. (laughs) How can that be? That's why it's called the gospel. You ever going to hear any better news than that? (laughs) You're not hearing no better news than that. And I tell you what, we're sanctified. I want you go over here to Hebrews chapter two for keep now keep where we're at. Look at Hebrews chapter two. God says He sanctified us forever, sanctified forever, perfected forever, holy before the Lord. You know when we're talking about. Being sanctified. Sanctified has two meanings. First, it means being made holy. He told children of Israel, sanctify yourselves. I'm coming among you. Separate yourselves and make yourself clean. And the second one is, God said, I say that I, I sanctified that and I declared it to be holy. And that's what God does in the gospel. He sets us apart. Sets us apart from the world, sets us apart in the gospel, sets us apart to the truth, sets us apart by the Spirit. And then when He sets us apart, that's sanctification. We're set apart, they're mine. And then He also says, be ye holy as I am holy. Now how in the world are we going to be holy? I'm going to tell you something about holiness. Holiness is a state of being. God cannot be more holy than He is, can He? Christ can't be no more holy than He is. So how in the world are we going to be as holy as God is holy? By being in Christ who is holy. Oh boy. That makes me just want to holler. <laughs> People say, that fellow wrote me one time and says, Boy, I said, I understand why you laugh all the time while you're preaching. He said, because it causes such joy. It does, don't it, when you're preaching. It causes such joy. And I tell you what, look what he said here in Hebrews 2 and down in verse 11. Talking about Christ here now. For both he that sanctifies, that's Christ, and they who are sanctified, now here's our union, are all of one. Now listen to this. For which cause? Because they're both, Christ sanctified us and he's the one that did it, so we're both one. For which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Saying again, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. Declare whose name? God's name. Christ's name. Righteous name. Sanctification. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And this is what he's going to do in glory now. I will put my trust in him. And again, when he we get there, he said, Behold, I am the children that you've given me. <laughs> He'll say, he'll say when this thing's over, Behold the children that you gave me. Oh my. 
<laughs> How many is that going to be? Can't be numbered. Can't be numbered. Nearer, nearer to God I cannot be than in His Son. I'm as near as He. Oh, can't be any closer. And then we triumph towards those that are saved. Back over in our text now. In verse 15. For we are unto God. Now, this is what it says now. Christ causes us to triumph. Christ makes manifest the savor of His knowledge by wherever we are. And He makes that to do in us. And before God, we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved. Oh my. A sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved. Now, I don't know how many of you are saved here today. I, most of you are. I really believe you are. But Henry Mahan said, done this one time. He said, now say this is a box of fragrance. And I open it up and you smell that. He said, that's what we do when we open the gospel. Uh, uh, you women, you know, and I do too. I do too. I got I don't know how many fragrances I try. Certainly got certain ones she likes and I got, you know, and you try to make you smell, make you smell, smell good. I tell you what, God says, you know, God said, everyone that's saved, everyone that's saved, Christ is a sweet, sweet savor to them. Uh, when he was offered as a sacrifice, oh, what a sweet savor. That blood that was shed to wash away our sins, oh, how sweet it is. Christ dying on the cross with our sins on him. Oh, what a wonderful smell. Christ in His tomb because we know He's going to rise again. Christ in His resurrection. Oh, what a wonderful fragrance. Christ in His ascension sitting down at the right hand of God there right now talking about us interceding for us and he says oh listen that, that, when I, that Bible's open and Christ has made manifest to you there's a fragrance they had that altar of incense and that was this, that was this fragrance of Christ going up before God and that's what Paul said under God right now we are a sweet savor of them that are saved You know why it's a sweet fragrance? Christ is their life. People say you ought to make Christ the most important thing in your life. If He ain't your life, He's nothing. He's their desire. You desire anything more than Christ? He's their all. They're complete in Him. And everything else that they ever done, everything else they ever accomplished, any profession they ever had before that, is nothing but done. Yeah. Everything I ever done for, I know Christ done. Every work I ever done, done. In fact, He took us off a dunghill. Yeah. What did He do after He got us off the dunghill? Set us over here among a bunch of princes. <laughs> Oh, listen. And then not only to them that are saved, but he said also in them that perish. What in the world does this mean? You know, people that don't know Christ, they don't smell to them like it smells to us. Don't smell the same thing to them. And God made it this way. 
God made it this way. You know why? Because their death. It says in verse 16, To the one we're a savor of death unto death, and the other a savor of life unto life. The gospel comes and quickens us and livens us and gives us that life and makes us understand what we have in Christ. But those that don't know Christ, those that don't have a relationship with Christ, they don't smell the same smell we do. They don't do it. They don't do it. They, they, you know, the <clears throat> all they smell, and when they smell this, is they said, boy, it smells like death to me. Don't, what you fellas rejoicing in, don't, don't do a thing for me. Don't do anything for me. It's death to their way of life. When Christ is death to their way of life, it's their self and their worth and their goodness. So I tell you what, they when they look at our Lord Jesus, let me, let me show you something over in John nine. This is this is what I'm trying to say. I think I can say it over here. You know, there's two things that happen every time the gospel's preached. People are give, be given life, or else they're having death pronounced on them. That's what it means when judgment begins at the house of God. That's what it's talking about. Judgment becoming at the house of God. And to them that are perishing, to them that don't know Christ, them that are perishing, perishing, right now, perishing. Look what he said here in John 9, 34. This is where Christ opened the eyes of that man that was born blind. And then these Pharisees, these religious nuts, and... and, and uh, this man had opened their eyes and said, If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Listen to what they, how they said to him. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sin, and you going to teach us? Do you see that? You was born in sin. You was altogether born. We wasn't. We don't know nothing about sin. You're the one that's sinner. You're the one that's sorry. And you're going to try to teach us? And they said, well, get out of here. We don't want nothing to do with you. You're the Christ you're talking about. Don't smell good to us. This, he opened your eyes since you was born blind. He opened your eyes and now you see. And that don't mean that. That's a stink to us. You tell us that Christ did this for you. He, they said, he stinks to us. And you stink to us, so get away from us. Get away from us. And that's the way people are. You start talking about Christ and people start talking about what they've done. But the living, the living because of Christ, because of Christ, we're the savor of life. And no wonder Paul said, who's sufficient? Who's sufficient for these things? As we go back over into our text again. Who's sufficient for these things? I'm not sufficient for it. Who is? Christ is. God is. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. The same sun and rain that causes the green beans and the corn and the potatoes, potatoes to grow also causes them weeds to grow. And you've got to fight them. You go out there in that tater patch, you've got to get rid of some weeds if you go out there. Huh? And I tell you, we triumph because... Now look back over here again. 
Verse 17. He causes us to triumph because of the word of God. For we not as many which corrupt the word of God. Oh, we triumph because of the word of God. Oh my, we don't corrupt the word of God. We don't deal deceitfully with the word of God. We believe it. Rejoice in it. We rest in it. We're begotten by it. And he says we don't deal deceitfully with it. That's what it means. Huh? We don't preach half truths. We don't preach half truths. You know, people, let me give you an illustration. There are people that make their whole life, their whole religion based on one or two verses of Scripture in the Bible. Pentecostals take 1 Corinthians 15 about speaking in tongues and Acts chapter 2 about speaking in tongues. They use those two places. And then you got the uh, Camelites, water baptism people. They use Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized therefore for remission of your sins. That's they put it in Acts 2.38. And then, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier this morning, I said, what in the world would Mormon, what would a Mormon have to preach in a Mormon church? In a church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, what would he have to say? Huh? What would a Jehovah's Witness have to preach when they think on 144,000 is going to heaven and the whole rest of us got the mark of the beast? They tell those two things and they're done. <laughs> But we don't do that. We go through the whole Bible. I tell you, we find Genesis. We find the gospel in the first five verses of Genesis. Find it in the last two verses of Revelation. Find the gospel. Huh? We don't preach half-truths. We don't say, you know, that God will never cast us out. We use the whole verse. All which a father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I shall in no wise cast out. Huh? We base our doctrine not on one or two verses. We don't mix nothing with Christ. And we're certainly not going to take nothing away from Him. Now, His blessed person and work. Turn over to your right to Galatians chapter chapter 2 and verse 21. Look at verse 21. I'm going to wind this thing up. Oh my, you can't mix nothing with Christ. We don't even mix our faith with Christ. what he said here now verse 21 he said I do not frustrate the grace of God I'm not going to frustrate God's grace how do you frustrate God's grace by making something go with Christ by making something you do something you say some act you've committed he said I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness come by any deed you've done by any law you've done then Christ died in vain huh? Christ died in vain and we're not going to frustrate God's grace Mm-mm. we know he died for his elect we know he died for those that were given to him we know he died for his sheep So, and then last of all we always triumph in Christ You know why we do? Because we're in God's sight. We're in God's sight. God sees us. We speak of Christ. And God knows it. 
And if we're speaking of Christ, declaring Christ, believe Christ, we're always causing to be triumphed in Christ. Now look in 2 Corinthians 9.15 and watch this. This is one of Ruby's favorite verse. I don't know how many times she quoted this to me on her way out. Second Corinthians nine fifteen. Thanks. See, we start out thank giving thanks unto God. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. <laughs> Amen. Amen.